Hello and welcome to the In Consultation With podcast where I talk to different people inside and out of the veterinary profession to explore the variety of careers that are available and to get more of an insight into the exciting and diverse lives of vets and other professionals. I'm Alexia Neely, a qualified vet. I'm currently doing a Masters in Science Communication and I also work as editor of Vet Report, a new site for the veterinary profession. In these podcasts, I go in consultation with different people to discuss their careers and their interests and to show just how diverse our profession really is. Welcome to the first podcast in our interview series called In Consultation With. For this podcast, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Liz Barton. Well known in the veterinary world, Liz Barton needs little in the way of introduction. Her career has been really varied, from starting out a mixed practice before settling into small animal practice, she diversified through setting up the website VetsNet to try and improve well-being within the profession. Keen to increase the focus on well-being amongst members of the profession, Liz also co-founded WellVet, an initiative to encourage social and mental well-being in the veterinary team. She now works as a senior accounts manager for Companion Consultancy, a PR and marketing company for the veterinary profession, with part of her role involving running the website Veterinary Woman, which supports the development of leadership and women leaders. Liz and I are both colleagues, so I thought who best to sit down with for the first podcast in this series. Welcome Liz, it's really great to have you here. Thank you for having me, nice to be here. So since graduating you've embarked on a numerous amount of projects both inside and diversifying in the profession as well. So if you could just start by introducing yourself and a little bit about your background and your story. Yeah so I've had that kind of boring start to being a vet in that I always wanted to be a vet since the age of four and completely had my heart set on that and just Worked my way, got into vet school, um, graduated, got my dream job, which was a mixed practice job in the Lake District. Um, Yeah, really enjoyed it, but found it absolutely exhausting. (laughs) Um, My bosses were great, really supportive. It was a lovely practice, but yeah, they really pushed me. Um, So I sort of constantly felt challenged, sometimes in a good way, but sort of also sometimes uncomfortably as well. So I, I really grew. I really felt I used the whole breadth of my veterinary degree, which was, um, I know, something that's quite rare. So I felt quite privileged with that, really. And then, you know, that was my job for life. But the thing that kind of changed that for me was I just got really lonely. <laughs> um, you know, I didn't, there weren't many other young professionals that I could gel with and really have much of a community with. I sort of missed all of my university friends. I'd, I'd moved, you know, my, my parental home was in Surrey, so I'd moved away from sort of friends and family. And much as I loved it, you know, I was just getting increasingly lonely. Um, never had the heart to go looking for another job. But actually, I sort of got headhunted down to do a small animal internship um, at Dick White Referrals because I'd done a little bit with them just after graduating. And... Um, And yeah, it was kind of a, well, I I know I don't want to sort of stay here forever getting lonelier. So if I go down to Cambridge for a year and then I can always come back again. So I kind of had the opportunity potentially to go back to that job if if that was, uh, if that was what I wanted to do. So then I did a rotating small animal internship, which was good because I was one of those people that was sort of thinking, is specialism for me? Is it not? and it proved it was not for me. (laughs) I really like being a generalist. I think it's very elegant being able to do diagnostics and surgery and, you know, work up a whole case from beginning to end. And, you know, whilst having to balance finance and things, I think that's a really huge challenge. I've got so much respect for good GP vets 
probably more than some specialists to be honest so yeah um was then quite keen to go back into general practice but um but then ended up sort of hanging around the Cambridgeshire area because of family illness um my parents were unwell my sister-in-law was unwell I didn't really want to go back up to Cumbria and leave them um, and I had also met a guy started dating so um, the kind of loneliness problem was, was solved he is now my husband um, yeah and then so it took a week on week off night job so I could sort of help look after family really and because I enjoyed ECC work and then from there sort of went to starting a family and working part-time, some out-of-hours shifts, some regular GP shifts. So, yeah, that's kind of my my clinical veterinary path, shall we say. I feel like you've done, even with the clinical side, you've done such a diverse range of things. I feel like that's a really impressive path that you've taken. And then obviously you mentioned the diversifying. So if you could just maybe talk a little bit about what led you towards diversifying, like how you ended up going down that sort of path and then what sort of things that you were up to when you went down that path. Yeah, I think there were certainly some challenging points in my own career, certainly doing the week on week off nights after sort of seven nights in a row, you know, 13 hour shifts plus horrible commuting. Um, by the end of the week, I was kind of on my knees. So I, I was, you know, experiencing some of the negative sides of full on veterinary work. Um, but then really after having a family and kind of managing my time alongside family, I was actually in a really kind of happy place. But um, I was doing every Friday evening as a sort of late shift. And I just, every Friday I went in, people were just on their knees, you know, <laughs> Um, lots of people were sort of sad and struggling and I just thought you know this is increasingly the conversation that I'm having with all of my peers um, with all of my friends and colleagues and you know I, I um, I'm a doer I thought I've got to do something about this but I don't really have any of the expertise myself I don't know where to point people I'm no counsellor you know how do I how do I help and it kind of became a bit of a passion project on the side, kind of looking at and collating various wellbeing resources initiatives. And I thought there was so much good stuff going on. It was around the time that, you know, VetLife was had sort of redesigned and, and reinvigorated what they were doing. It was when VetMind Matters had started up and was kind of partnering with other um, veterinary organisations to deliver projects. Um, also a lot of the veterinary coaching started up around that time so I started trying to bring all of these things together in a in a website a kind of resource hub and then it was kind of posted on um, Vets Stay Go Diversify which at the time was a sort of fledgling group started by Ebony Escalona with about 800 people on it um, and then from there kind of made connections with her um, ended up being on her working group for her first event um, connected with Rue Tipney from VetLed and together we founded WellVet which is kind of bringing well-being events to life sort of mind body soul bringing the people that have the expertise and can help um, and sort of bringing them to the fore and, and encouraging people to really be proactive about their own well-being and then with one of my fellow colleagues at my practice we um, we sort of reinvigorated a vet mums Facebook group just to kind of have conversations because it is really tricky <laughs> juggling um, you know the demands of family and you know being a, a veterinary professional as well so um, so that's kind of the other side of things and that then all of these things together led me to meeting Susan at Companion Consultancy um, and diversifying a bit more 
into PR and marketing for, for animal health and then taking on the role as, as editor of Veterinary Woman. So definitely a squiggly career path um, and mainly just through thinking, what can I do to help? And then networking and meeting other people that, that sort of think the same and building things together. Great. And I was actually going to ask you about well-being, but I feel like you've, uh, you you took that and you went with it and... Um... Yeah, you answered pretty much my next question, which was uh, really useful because I was going to ask, obviously you have got a really strong focus on well-being and you've set up all of these different things. But yeah, I feel like you you talked about them really well. And obviously you've set yourself up your own portfolio career. So did you do you have any advice that you could give to other people who are thinking about starting a portfolio career within the profession and any advice that you might have for them? Um, I think the, the kind of most important question at the outset is what is your why? I think you have to be passionate about working towards something than kind of just desperate to get away from something. <laughs> so, you know, are you wanting to have a portfolio career or diversify because you're not happy in your current job, which is fine, but then you need to really sit down and think why that is just to make sure you're not kind of jumping from the frying pan into the fire because um, you know it's just as much hard work financially for me personally it's been a pay cut rather than a pay rise <laughs> you know a lot of this has been passion projects in my own time when I could have been earning <laughs> um, and to really think about where your skill set is and where your passions are and how you can play to those strengths and, and make sure that you're doing something that's enjoyable because with all of this, with all of our kind of careers, it's not about achieving some end goal. It's about day-to-day, well, whether you call it well-being or just day-to-day enjoying what you're doing and, and feeling that sense of purpose and, you know, overcoming challenges along the way. You really need that to enjoy the day-to-day journey rather than thinking, well, in five years' time, I'm going to be chief exec of some great company you know living the life and you know running an awesome team and it's going to be amazing you know if you're if that's where you want to get that's great but you've got to enjoy the first step and and every subsequent step thereafter and definitely I think the whole thinking about what is your why is a really important thing um that maybe people don't necessarily always people don't always think that I think you know a lot of people have a very kind of oh I'm a vet so I'm going to do this this one thing and then follow down that trajectory but a lot of the time they don't stop along that way to think you know what do I actually want this do I want something else so I think it's a really important message so you also mentioned that you're the editor of Veterinary Woman so what inspired you to create that platform and could you just talk a little bit about what it is and how people can actually be part of it yeah, so Veterinary Woman was something that Susan Mackay started sort of 2014-15 seeing the need just to support women in the profession to develop into to leadership roles and just providing a, a platform really to help and support because you know it's been proven now even though it was suspected before that there you know bias does exist um you know women aren't viewed with the same sort of respect uh, as men um, there's a lot of stuff in the literature both within and outside of the veterinary profession to show that there are more barriers to, to leadership positions. And even when we're in them, there's more kind of negative thoughts around women than men. Um, so it's just a platform to address that, really. And, yeah, Susan has, has sort of given me free reign to 
open up that conversation. So we're really trying to help women to inspire them so that they can aspire to grow into their full potential, be that career potential or, you know, caring potential or diversifying potential, you know, whatever it may be. Um, you know, we don't tend to advocate very well for ourselves. And actually, it is also sadly true that women don't tend to advocate very well for one another sometimes. So it's really a platform to encourage that self-advocacy, group advocacy, um, to open up discussions about challenging topics that we haven't talked about historically. So be it health issues, things like menopause and infertility, through to you know, challenging bias and how do we sort of build, build confidence. So yeah, it's a platform really just to host those discussions and, um, you know, create that supportive community. It's a great platform to have as well, especially as much as things are progressing. I think it's still having that awareness of the fact that those issues are still around and I guess just having that conversation and about it. So you recently ran a veterinary women in leadership event with XL Vets through veterinary women. And that featured speakers inside and outside of the profession, sharing their career stories and their positions in leadership. So what advice would you give to women who might be considering leadership positions within the profession? Yeah, I think um, we're sort of playing catch up really with what's happening in the world and what we think of as, as leadership. So actually, a lot of the traits that we used to think of as, as leaders, you know, things like confidence and assertiveness and charisma you know almost kind of that that powerful persona those are not actually what what modern day leadership is really all about um, and a lot of the traits that are becoming increasingly valued in leaders are actually quite feminine traits so things like empathy openness the ability to actively listen and bring out the best in others and I think those are qualities that are very common in, in veterinary professionals and also you know quite common in, in women so actually there's a lot of women out there who are already leaders and who show great leadership traits but are completely unaware of this and therefore when leadership positions and roles come up they think oh you know I'm, I can't be you know I'm not suited to that because I'm not the traditional vision of a leader where I think we need to kind of redefine what leadership is this is a conversation that's that's kind of happening at the highest levels in some of the big corporate companies globally. There's some great TED talks about, you know, what, what modern day leadership looks like. And I think as a veterinary profession, if we really embrace that and, and run with it, then we can really be, you know, encouraging a lot of women that they are the ideal candidates for these positions. And they're, in fact, just what we need. You know, a lot of our veterinary mechanisms and, and ways of working are completely outdated you know they're back from the sort of James Herriot day where the wife was at home answering the phone so the husband could go on call um you know the modern life just isn't as suited to that and and you know we really need to innovate as a profession to make it sustainable and make sure we don't lose this hugely talented pool of sort of mid-career women and I think encouraging modern leadership is is one way of doing that I mean you know the other the other thing is just kind of reinventing things like the old partnership agreements which really penalize people on parental leave you know both for mums and dads that's just not conducive to encouraging strong independent partnerships in in the modern modern age so yeah there's lots of things that we we need to address just to encourage people to to really progress into those leadership roles 
Definitely. And what would you say about the main barriers that might be stopping women from, I know you've mentioned, touched on it a little bit, but what would you say the main barriers were that stopped women from entering positions of leadership or might sort of deter them from wanting to progress to positions of leadership? Yeah, I know Kerry Headley, um, who we ran the events with um, at XLVet, she's done projects on on the barriers and enablers um, to women in leadership. And I think, you know, that the confidence piece is certainly one of those, having the confidence, um, understanding what leadership is. Um, there are sort of the, the kind of personal barriers, so those intrinsic ones of what we think of ourselves and not, not self-advocating. Um, and then there are kind of the extrinsic factors as well, you know, the kind of the way practices are set up, the way, you know, leadership is perceived, biases, you know, the bias that, that exists, um, all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, there's a whole a whole range. But, yeah, I, I sort of have to defer to Kerry on that one to give a, to give a more full answer. But, yes, yeah, it's, it's important to address both the barriers that we put up for ourselves and, and the barriers that are, are there more systemically. Mm, definitely I think as well that was quite a difficult question sorry for uh, just springing that on you I feel like that could have been a yeah quite a difficult question to, for someone to answer yeah. um, I'd have to do my homework a bit more on that one <laughs> put you on the spot um, yeah. moving back to you a little bit you've got quite a lot to juggle in terms of like work and also home life how do you with all of the things that you do how do you kind of fit it all in and sort of balance it I guess just um I don't want to say work-life balance because then that kind of implies that like work's bad, life's good. But um, yeah, how do you how do you fit everything that you do in? Um, sometimes not very well. <laughs> uh, sometimes I'm better than others. Um, yeah, I think I mean I I kind of call it um, you know sort of working life flux. You know there there are times when life you need to prioritise life and therefore you have to you know put work kind of uh, prioritise work less um, and vice versa um, and that can look like a whole range of things so from flexible working so you know for example um, after having a family renegotiating a contract um, at the moment the hours I work I kind of you know expand and contract as as I need to to sort of fit in other projects um, or family needs I think it's important to kind of regularly reassess you know, how much demand work versus life versus other passion projects are sort of taking up in your in your life and also whether they're energizing you or draining you. So I completely agree. It's not that work is bad and life is good. There are bits of my work that completely energize me and I love them and I come out buzzing and there are bits of my home life that utterly drain me. <laughs> I just want to crawl into bed at the end. Um, you know, the first year after having a child, just constantly changing nappies and getting nothing achieved at the end of a day is not glamorous. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily choose that over, you know, really exciting work project. Um, so it's about, you know, do you feel kind of comfortably challenged or are you really stressed? And I think you've got to be really honest with yourself that if it's tipped into stress, that that has to be managed um you know in the medium to longer term otherwise you know it does risk leading to burnout which doesn't help anybody um not your work colleagues not your you know friends and family and certainly not yourself 
So um, I haven't always got it right. You know, I have I'm pretty much after the end of every Wellvet weekend, I'm a flawed for about a week. I'm just completely exhausted. But um, but yeah, I do constantly reassess. And if it's not working for me, I think, right, well, what are my priorities? What's important? What's urgent? What can I, you know, kind of put, put to the back? Or what can I shelve? Or what can I say no to? You know, you've just got to have those boundaries. Yeah, I think definitely having those boundaries is really important because a lot of the time I think people could just think oh, I've got to I've got to do everything and be everywhere all at once and it just it's not sustainable at all. Yeah, absolutely. A really good perspective on that. So to sort of wrap things up, have you got any plans or future projects that you've got in the lineup that you can talk about just amongst the various projects that you've got going on at the minute? Yeah, so we're kind of rolling with the veterinary women role models. We want to kind of create an ebook of those that people can kind of share online to help to inspire one another. We'd like to have some Veterinary Women Awards as well, just to sort of really um, showcase some of the great things that, that women are doing in the profession. And yeah, we're kind of planning another Veterinary Women in Leadership CPD event, probably around, you know, explaining more what a modern leader looks like and helping people to recognise that in themselves um, and encourage that in others. So so yeah, those are sort of things in the pipeline. On the WellVet side of things, we've got um, a website launching, hopefully in the springtime, where we'll have a lot more resources that people can access. Um, and then we'll be building out more virtual and um, hopefully face-to-face events before too long. Really just getting that kind of proactive, you know, taking control of your own well-being and giving the people the tools to do that, really getting that message out there. Because I think it's something that we all need to take personal responsibility for you know as well as kind of encouraging practices to put supportive measures in place so yeah lots of exciting stuff yeah that is exciting you've got a lot planned a lot in in the lineup yeah (laughs) that's that's what I do I don't have (laughs) space in my life if there's like a tiny bit of space I'm like quick fill it with something (laughs) no I think that's good I think that it's you know, it's exciting to have lots of different projects and I guess obviously you're quite creative so you've got a lot of ideas and things so no I think that sounds that sounds fab it's yeah I, I, I kind of find that I'm limited by the fact there's only one of me like I need to <laughs> there's so many other projects that I haven't even been able to kind of start or or you know run with that I would love to but there just isn't enough time in my day so yeah I need, I need somebody else who does all the, the other things that I can't get around to doing. So. Like a little team behind you or a little peer or something who can kind of yeah. <laughs> help delegate. Yeah, um, just a 36-hour day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone sometimes wishes that they had more hours in the day. Yeah. Thanks to everyone for listening. I um, hope you enjoyed our conversation with Liz today. Thank you so much for being here, Liz. I really appreciate you taking the time to <laughs> chat with us. Thank um, you. You've been listening to Legal In Consultation with Liz Barton. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And if you did enjoy it, please keep an eye and an ear out for more In Consultation with podcasts, where I'll be speaking to a wide range of people, both in and out of the profession. And they should be available wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to find out more about Liz's work, you can find out more information at veterinarywoman.co.uk. And if you'd like to see more from VetReport, you can visit vetreport.net. Once again, thanks so much for listening.